It's Gardening Talk back this Monday afternoon. If you have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Now, Scott, we mentioned earlier about lime on your garden, but before you get to that, I'll throw, <laughs> I'll throw you to the plant that we missed talking about last week. Mate, I'm like a coiled spring or a snake ready to pounce. We're ready to go then. I was ready to go and you've completely, you've just gone, no. I've just gone that way and I've gone to a big right turn. Yep, you're a little bit more agile on your feet than I am. <laughs> I'm like Tron. <laughs> So do you want to talk about Cymbidium orchids? Yes. Yes, let's do That's that. That's what I was after. Yeah, because they're out, out in flower at the moment. Uh, they, they, look, they're actually quite easy to look after. I keep on joking about them being a black art, but I think to get them you know, absolutely perfect and you know, to show quality, yep. it, it is a bit of a black art. But I've got one in my backyard, and it's growing perfectly. I've done absolutely nothing to it. The only thing my I've, kind of plant. I've kept the dogs away from it all right. year, even though they've knocked it over a few times. But all of a sudden, this flower spike's coming out on it. Okay, very good. Yeah, very. it's in the right spot. It's in a, look, I guess, a dappled sunlight spot. Uh, but it's still quite warm there at the back of the house. It's out of the wind, and it's doing very, very well. The plant's growing. I split it. I think I might have repotted it up a little bit. Um, dogs are clear of it, and flower spike. And I'm really, really impressed that I've done absolutely nothing, and I've got an orchid growing, but they are quite easy to grow. Uh, look, they come from uh, Asia generally. Yeah, they, we, we do have some native orchids uh, here in Australia, but they're not the cymbidium types that I'm, I'm talking about. They come from India and China and up, up there in the north of Asia. Uh, look, they'll, they'll grow here. They'll do very, very well. You can get all sorts of colours in them now. They've bred all sorts of colours, whites, pinks, oranges, apricots, browns, burgundies, yellows. All cream, sorts of colours. All sorts the of colours. Almost the whole rainbow of colours. Uh, and they've improved the flower spikes on them so much now. You know, you can get, uh, you know, eight, uh, sort of ten flowers on the one spike. They do very, very well. Uh, are there any downsides to them? Uh, snails will have a go at the flowers, so you just have to be a bit careful about that. You can keep them indoors if you want to. So this is an upside, I guess. Right, yeah. So they're, in a way, they're better than going and buying a bunch of flowers because you can just buy them, take them inside. They'll last for three or four months, and that's longer than you know any bunch of flowers going to last. And then once you finish with that, you can stick it outside in the backyard like I do. Keep it away from the dogs. Yep. And all will be good. They like uh, really good drainage, so you have to have them in a very coarse mix. They need to be watered about once or twice a week. Once they've split over the top of the pot, though, uh, they've got a bit too big and filled out the pot, you can divide them. Uh, people say that sometimes they don't flower that year. Uh, look, I've, ha I've done it, and I have had them flower. Yep. Uh, I don't think that's my fault. I think it's just luck. Um, but uh, yeah, again, a very, very easy plant to look after. Uh, just some normal liquid fertilizer and off you go with an orchid. I'm assuming the dogs like them as well, considering you said you have to keep the dogs away from no, them. No, no, I've just got two idiot dogs that just chew and bite. Oh, okay, and, fair enough. Yeah, no, they don't bite. I thought there was some like reason because you mentioned it a few times. No, no, my dogs are the bane of my life at the moment. They they're, just go through everything. He's a gardener. He's a digger. <laughs> he just gets himself out anywhere. There's chooks next door. I worry about them. And when he gets out, he just goes for it. So my orchid, um, I'm very, very impressed he hasn't killed it yet. Fair enough. Is it up high or? Uh, no, it's just on the ground. He's only a short dog. Okay. Yeah. Just loves a bit of a dig. He certainly does, yeah. Fair enough. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 when you are FM. If you have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. We've got Diane from Curry, and she's got a question in regards to cactus. How can we help you with your cactus, Diane? I've got a zygo cactus. Yes. And it's got brown spots on it. Mm-hmm. What can I do for it? Now, zygo cactus, they're really, really tough plants. It's probably almost finished flowering by now, has it? Or is it still no, growing strong? No, just about to flower. Oh, okay, because usually they flower about Mother's Day. But I guess if it's still going strong for you, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, brown spots on it. 
Uh, look, could be all sorts of things. They can get a virus on them. Uh, it could be that, uh, you know, it's had some scale or a sap-sucking insect and it's gone through there and did some, done some damage. Uh, look, the only thing you can really do is to give it a spray with an all-purpose spray uh, like insect and mite killer. See what that does for it. If it is a virus, unfortunately, there's not really anything you can do. Uh, just keep it away from other plants and, uh, yeah, it should be fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry I couldn't help you out too much more with that one. That's all right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. But they are Bye. a very, very tough plant. They flat. You can stick them in underneath the house, in under trees, and just sort of bring them back out at this time of year. Okay. And off they go again for you. Yeah, really, really easy plant to look after. Oh, but yeah, cactus are the most, probably easiest, aren't they? They are. This one, yeah, zygo cactus. So it's sort of a fleshy thing. It gets pink and white and apricot flowers, almost the colours of the rainbow on your zygo oh. cactus. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Ingrid from Bolton Points, and she's got problems with her pomegranates. How can we help you, Ingrid? I don't, I don't think it's a problem. I just want advice because I really want the tree to grow good. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay, I've planted it according to the instructions, like the warmest, most sheltered spot in your garden. And I've dug in some chukpu and stuff. And then when I watered it in, I did it with some sea salt. And I put some banana leaves around the top bit. And it looks really happy. But is there anything else I can do for it? That sounds like you're all over it um, there, Ingrid. You're absolutely... Uh, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? I don't know. It's Problem solved. <laughs> problem solved. Okay, uh, well, yeah. that's all good then. Now, the, the, only, the only thing you have to be aware of, though, with your pomegranate is that they are deciduous, so it is going to start losing its leaves, um, you know, soonish. So be aware of that. So don't sort of think, oh, no, I'm doing the wrong thing and, and pull it out or anything like that. It's all quite normal. And they, okay. they, they'll fruit here um, in the Southern Hemisphere in, um, between about March and May. Okay, does it take like a full year or something for it to take? Uh, look, it will take a full year now before you get some fruit now, back in, in the uh, you know, February, March um, time. Um, yep. Yeah, and uh, look, uh, you can give it a prune if you want. If you're going to give it a prune, uh, you'd give it a prune once it's lost its leaves uh, because they can get quite tall. They can get to about five to eight metres tall. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but so that's all right. yeah, yeah, that's all right. But again, the fruit probably moves up to the top, so you just have to be careful about that. You know, they're from Iran originally. Really, Iran? Yeah, yes. from Iran. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they got sort of moved yeah. around by the, uh, uh, you know, by the Spanish over to California and places like that, and they've just been moved around the world since then. But yeah, Iran originally are from here. Yeah. Now I didn't realise sort of how good they were for you, and then sort of I got into. You go through stages of where you eat fruit and things, and I sort of I had a run on them a couple of weeks ago, and I thought I'm going to just have a Google, and then I realised I thought, well, why can't we grow them here? Because I looked at the climate and that. And what, and what I thought, do they? Yeah, I'll give it a go. I've never actually tasted one. I've I've got to come oh, clean on this. So, so what, nice. what what do they taste like? Should I pack them in the kids' lunchbox? Can you no, you can't, no, you wouldn't <laughs> pack them in a kids' lunchbox. <laughs> when you eat them, it's like a it, yeah, it's a party. You eat it with. My husband always says your whole face has a party, but it just the juice just squirts out everywhere. But it's just so high, sort of in all your antioxidants, and it's sort of a little bit tart, yeah, but a little bit sweet as well. Okay, okay. So think berries, yes. like, but yeah, it's it's just it tastes all of its own. Okay, so almost like a raspberry, where you get that initial sort of tang, and then it, it dies away. Yeah, and then then it's just. Sweet. Okay. Well, look, yeah. I, I won't put one in the kids' lunchbox because no, it probably just get not. left on the back seat of the car, like the sandwich <laughs> did this afternoon, like this morning. Uh, yeah. What sort of sandwich? It was very nice. I make parmesan and lettuce and ham, and get a fresh bread roll down the shop every morning, and it got just left on the back seat of the car. No respect. No respect at all. So I hope that never <laughs> happened to you before. Ignorant.
No, 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 no. No, my daughter used to hoard them in her um, book bookcase oh, that, behind the book. Oh, so. that's that's the other way, isn't it? Okay, well, look, I won't yeah. I won't put that in the lunchbox then. But uh, good luck with it. No. Sounds like you're doing all the right things, and uh, hopefully next year you'll get a nice crop out of it. Yes, I hope so too. Okay. Other thing is, I sent you an email with a couple of pictures attached to it. Um, when was it? Around about Easter time. Just wondering if you've got it. How I grow my hyacinths. Okay, I on glass. Did you get that email? I'm not sure I did. We were talking about bulbs, and I thought, oh, I'll send you a picture and show you how I grow my hyacinths. I'm not sure I did get that. It might have been spammed, perhaps. Oh, yeah, no. but anyway, you want me to send it again? That'd be fantastic. I'll make sure oh, I right, definitely I'll send have a look it at it for right you. Right now. Okay, thank you for that, Ingrid. Okay, okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, you, at least you'll get your lunch sorted. I do. I'll just have to reach over to the back seat of the car, but my son, he's going to go hungry. Oh, well. I, I will. I'll pack him pomegranates from now on. <laughs> <laughs> now, Scott, you mentioned lime earlier. This has got me quite interested because I'm not quite sure what you mean by throwing lime on your garden. Yes, well, it's, it's perfect to do at this time of year, and I thought I'd talk about it a little bit because of how wet it is and okay. usually you know people put it on their garden when it's been wet because there's this idea that your soil goes sour so you use lime to sweeten up your soil right now this is a highly different to the old idea of you know when the british used to be called limeys i never heard of that before haven't you heard of that before no. it used to be slang for lime and apparently came out of the 1850s in america it was a bad word that the americans used for the uh, sailors of the royal navy and it came because do you remember scurvy how they got rid of scurvy? Yeah, yeah. yeah so they put lime juice or lemon juice into their rum for the sailors to drink and then they wouldn't get scurvy because it was a source of vitamin c but apparently i didn't know this that uh, limes are, are actually inferior source of vitamin c oh. to lemons so when the british started um, using uh, you know limes that they're grown in their own colonies it didn't quite work as well so if you want extra vitamin c you have to use lemons but that gets us a little bit away from lime on your garden, doesn't it? It very does. It does, but I thought I'd talk about that quickly. Uh, so it was limeys. They call them limeys. Limeys. I used to call them limeys. I'm going to yeah. start using that now. Yeah, if you find a British person, call them a limey. Yeah. yeah. Biggles, I'm pretty sure, was called a limey at some point in time. Big, oh, I'll, I'll talk to you about I this later. Like <laughs> so if you need to sweeten the soil in your garden, you use lime or dolomite lime. Now, the reason you do this is it sort of unlocks certain things in the soil that if, you, if your uh, soil starts to get too acidic, the plants can't access. Now, that includes uh, phosphorus, magnesium, uh, and other minerals that can't the plant just can't get out. Uh, now, you use this to hopefully get the plant to uh, flower and fruit a little bit better. Right. Yeah, so it should work for that. Now, there are some plants you can't go and use lime on or that you shouldn't use lime on. And they're rhododendrons, azaleas, daphnes, magnolias, camellias, even Japanese maples. They like acidic soil as well. And if you're trying to grow potatoes, capsicum, tomatoes or blueberries, definitely don't go using lime there. Right, yeah. Okay. People often use it on their grass as well. You just sprinkle it around. It sweetens up the soil. Your grass just grows a whole lot better. So you don't just cut a heap of limes and squeeze the juice all out of your grass? No, no, no. It's actually lime that you have to go and buy from oh, a garden okay. center. Right, so now yeah. I'm with you. Yep. Yes, yeah. So you can get dolomite lime as well. It contains magnesium, so it sort of adds that little bit extra to it. So uh, yeah, don't use Greg's suggestion there of <laughs> going out and buying limes at a dollar a pop and trying to squeeze those on your garden. All right, if you've got scurvy, give it a go then. But, uh, well, so, maybe if you don't have scurvy. Well, I guess I'd just ward it off, won't you, if you're going to sail across the ocean for six months with really bad nutrition. Don't they just eat onions? No, I don't, think, I don't think onions are a source of vitamin C. We should, If someone knows that, they should ring up and tell us I about that. I thought they used to eat onions. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, no, I'm because really they lasted longer that. on the waters. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it was just a source of fibre or something for them. 
I don't know. I generally don't. I'm just making this up. Okay, but no, some, someone might know the answer to it. But certainly liming your garden is a good idea at the moment, especially if it's been wet and you've got a wet spot that's going to sort of sit there and go a bit sour on you. Very good. Right? I think we've learnt something for everyone there. Yeah. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. We've got Kate from Lambton about, is it cycle-clad? A cycad. How can we help you with it, Kate? Um, well, I've had it in a good-sized pot for quite a few years, and it's in a north-easterly aspect under a pergola. It's done quite well. It's thrown its leaves or whatever you call those frondy things um, reasonably regularly, but I think it's going to get too big for the pot, and I want to transfer it to a southwesterly position. Is it going to stay alive or is it going to die on me? No, that, that should do all right in that spot for you. You just have to make sure that it's being watered a little bit better once it's in that western sun. Now's the, probably the time to do it as well because, you know, it's not as hot, so the plant will acclimatise yeah. as it goes through August and September into the hotter months. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'd just say to you is good luck uh, trying to transplant because they can be pretty spiky. And I know. Yeah. Um, look, have you got a husband or a partner around the place? No. Oh, no. Um, Greg's putting up his hand here. He'll come and do it for you. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, no, but look, they are very spiky. So, uh, you know, get some big, uh, heavy leather gloves if you can and try and do it that way. And they're, they're also very heavy as well, to, even to try and lift. I know, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do about getting some help. Is there anything particular I should feed it? I'd, I've given it some potash from time to time. Um, but nothing really specific. Yeah, so the only thing the potash is really going to do is promote the, the flowering and the fruiting of the plant. You probably don't need that to happen with the cycad. Uh, I, I would just use, uh, there's a, a product called uh, Flourish Green and Growth. I'd give that a try because it's specifically for those sort of plants, those sort of palmy, ferny sort of plants. Yeah, I've that, got Flourish, yeah. Okay, so Flourish Green and Growth, give that one a go. It will really feed up and, and green it up for you and make it grow a little bit better. How long are they? How big are they usually? Do they grow if they're in the ground? Oh, look, I've seen cycads very, very large. I'm trying to imagine here. I always use my arms, you know, and then I get Greg to sort of say how big it is. What's that made about? Uh, probably your wingspan. That's my wingspan. Probably <laughs> a metre and a half-ish. They will get quite uh, quite wide across. Oh, that's all right. If it's out in the ground, then it wouldn't matter. But in the pot, I mean, I think it's sort of a bit cramped. It, look, it would be cramped in the pot. Uh, once you get them into the ground, they'll start to pup as well. And you can sort of get a clump of them growing if you want to. It, then you lose that, that really nice uh, you know, shape of it um, once you start getting many of them growing around. So just try and keep it down to a single plant if you can. Oh, yeah, uh, that's all I want. Yeah, okay. All right, thank you. Okay, not a problem. Thank you for that, Kate. Bye. Well, Anne from Madawi, and she's got some questions regarding her rhubarb. Far away with the rhubarb questions, Anne. Okay, thanks for that, Scott. I've got a garden where I've got a mango tree and a couple of passion fruit vines, and I've put some cow manure around it because I want to put transfer uh, rhubarb into the same garden. Yes. Is that okay? Or I wasn't sure if I put the right uh, preparation in the ground for it. <laughs> yeah, look, that that should be right. Uh, I, because uh, rhubarb's a you know a sort of a green um, you know leafy vegetable, I'd be more inclined to put poultry manure in there. But if you've only done it once, don't don't be concerned about that. Uh, I, I think that you know just other general mulches are fantastic for rhubarb. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, put some uh, mulch in there, like compost. Yeah, so. that, that's fantastic. They really like that sort of rich soil. Uh, and I, I definitely, if you're going to use anything, just use some poultry manure. I've often seen them grown in a sort of a, a sandy soil as well, which is a bit bizarre. Um, yeah. So, you know, and they tend to be alkaline, so that's going to be with the poultry manure. Um, but, yeah, generally they like, you know, soaking up a bit of water. Uh, you know, they like a sort of a rich soil. Um, but, yeah, one, one application of cow manure won't have hurt it. Don't be concerned right. about that. Is it good to do it straight away or wait a week or so? Uh, have you planted in there now or you're just waiting I've to... Done it. I did it about oh, four days ago. Oh, yeah, look, that should be fine. Uh, usually my rule of the thumb is to wait a week before you plant into any uh, area you've put manure. But, yep. uh, you know, all the rain we've had, I think you should be That's quite safe sticking in there, yeah. With all that rain, it should be good. Yeah. Um, just one more question. Um, I've got a bull bay magnolia and I've got another magnolia, the ordinary one, the pink one. Yes. Um, what do I feed them? Is it gardenia food as well or...? Yeah, you can do that. Now, I'm just thinking about where you are at Madawi. It's quite sandy up there, I do believe. Yeah, I've got a little bit of clay underneath. Oh, OK. So, uh, yeah, so, but I've, we've been adding mulch to the soil for years, so yeah. not too bad. OK, so either way, a clay soil, uh, you, you know, sandy soil, it's actually going to be very, you know, fairly alkaline. So your magnolias, they like acidic conditions. So you would use cow manure on those or you would definitely use, you know, like you were saying, that azalea and camellia food. It's acidic and it will work perfectly on your uh, magnolias as well. All right. Very good. Thanks, okay. Matt. Good luck with it. Thank you. Okay. Have okay. a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. It's Talk back on 2 and FM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call on 49216216. Now, Scott, got a little bit off track earlier with the lime starting talking about fighting scurvy. Yes. And I casually mentioned you can use onions. Yeah, and I scoffed at you, didn't I? Scoffed, snorted. I thought, what? that's why... That's I started second-guessing myself. That's why Greg's got bad breath all the time. <laughs> Just so I can have no scurvy. Yep, yep, scurvy-free. And yet I've never been on the water in my life. Haven't you? That's not true, I have, yeah. Okay. You've crossed the river, I'm sure, at some point oh, in yeah. time. I've been across Stockton Bridge. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, looking it up, apparently you can use onions. Or they did use onions. They did stage. use onions. You were, you were absolutely right. I, I was scoffing at you, and I, I'm, I'll never do it again. Yeah, well, well, at least today, anyway. I found it. I was listening for my public high school education. <laughs> and they did a good job on it, too, <laughs> didn't they? Apparently, yeah, apparently, you can actually use onions. Uh, they'd be actually eaten raw on a long sea voyage. Um, because the, but the seamen themselves, they had to bring along their own supplies, surprisingly. That's a bit rough. It is a bit rough, isn't it? And onions keep very well, I think. Yeah, I think that's why I remembered it, because yeah. I used to... Heaps of them, and I remember reading about another. There's a round of the world sailor, a French guy called Bernard Batissier, who uh, went around the world and then decided he didn't want to win the race and kept on going. I remember he had onions as well stowed away in the boat, and he kept on eating those all the time. You get pretty bored though, wouldn't you? Oh, you could boil them, I, I guess. guess. Yeah, yeah. Just fry them, put them on a bacon and egg roll. That'd be nice. We don't boil. Would they have bacon on the ships? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Actually, you probably would because you can cure bacon. If you're going to take oh. meat, that would be fantastic. Now, the other plant that I was really, really interested in finding out about that you could use for scurvy was Thuya, like Naylor's Blue or Leighton's Green. Now, people traditionally use those as a big conifer hedge. Oh, right. Yeah, but apparently you could boil that down. And it would, uh, you know, keep away scurvy. So that was really, really, you know, odd. You know, apparently it's got all sorts of weird and wonderful healing powers that we just don't use anymore here in civilised society. Okay, so it's just become now irrelevant. It has a little bit, and yeah. And we just use it for hedges. Yeah, for hedges, yeah, and a quick-growing hedge as well. A sauerkraut. Yeah. Yep, which is, I guess, is cabbage in a way. Yeah, well, kind of is cabbage, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that we uh, found out in our uh, extensive... Uh, Research. Research here is that potatoes as well were a great source of vitamin C. But 
I guess in Ireland when they had, you know, the, the plagues and everything like that and, you know, poorer, poorer sort of civilizations, if they couldn't eat potatoes, which were an easy crop to grow, then they'd get scurvy and get sick because they didn't have that source of vitamin C. But I, I didn't think the potatoes would have vitamin C. And so I've learned no. something here today as well, and the onion too. And the onion, and also had peppers on there as well, capsicums. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know that either. Now, Scott, you've got a lovely yellow plant there, Grevillea, is it? Yeah. Grevillea, mate, yes. There's a little bit of French in us all, though, isn't there? Oh, yeah, that was... Our enunciation was through the roof, man. That, that was fantastic, yeah. There, well, I was going to talk about Grevilleas, yeah. Grevillea Sandra Gordon, I thought I'd talk about today. It is a beautiful Grevillea. Now, Grevilleas are a native. Uh, they're a quick-growing native. Uh, often, they only have a, a lifespan, you know, seven, eight, nine years, a little bit like a wattle, I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah, but they are quick-growing, quick so if you need a, a, a you know, a, a screen... Uh, that's going to get up there, you know, within a year or so and block someone out. Uh, fantastic. Then you can sort of underplant, put something else a little bit long-lived in underneath there oh, and right. let it grow up yep. through. So that's always a good idea to do that. Sandra Gordon is uh, a grevillea that gets to about uh, three to six metres tall, so quite tall, I guess. Taller than us. That's okay. Well, that's good if you want to block out your neighbours or something. Or Yeah, and I, look, they're not the thickest plant in the world. They're sort of open, a little bit sparse, so they still let light in. That's why I said the idea of underplanting if you need to and let something grow up through it. Yep. But it will get up there quickly, and it does provide that nice little barrier. Sandra Gordon's got fantastic big yellow comey flowers on there. Uh, now, these were actually named after um, a, a guy called, well, his name was Dr. Gordon, and he was, <laughs> uh, he was up in uh, Queensland, and he used to grow grevilleas. Right. And Sandra was just a sport. It just came from a seed. And then he went and named uh, you know, all his grevilleas after his family members. So yeah. there's, there's Robin Gordon as well. Right. Yeah. What would we name a plant if we're going to name one after you? Oh, we'd have to call it Greg Gordon, wouldn't Probably we? Yeah, Greg Gordon. Yeah, Greg Gordon. Greg, Greg Gordon Grevillea. Yeah, that, that's very good, isn't it? Say that quickly. Greg Gordon. No, can't. no you can't do that. <laughs> uh, look, but Grevilleas, uh, they usually like to be out in the full sun. They will tolerate a little bit of shade, although I think they're probably going to be a little bit susceptible to fungal diseases if they're in the shade. Uh, this one here, the Sandra Gordon, gets to about three and a half metres uh, width as well. So again, it's, it's quite a large plant. Uh, fertilising any natives, especially grevilleas, make sure you don't use uh, you know, a, a fertiliser that's high in phosphorus because it will actually yep. burn it out. You're speaking well today and I'm speaking uh-huh. very poorly. And uh, the best thing to use on grevilleas is uh, native-specific uh, plant food <laughs> or blood and bone. Because blood and bone is a really nice, soft, safe fertilizer to use. You can actually use it as a pillow as well. It's that soft and lovely. Rightio. Fair enough. Well, yeah. I'm going to let you have a glass of water. Okay. To get some voice back into you. Thank you. Now, Scott, we had a lot of bad weather over the weekend. It was windy. It was wet. Not good for your garden. Is there anything you can do to sort of even like try and prevent that? Or yeah, I went outside. Sort of the you know the sun came up and I looked outside yesterday morning. Yep. And a whole lily pilly had just been snapped in half. I oh, okay. blamed it on the dogs immediately. I've got a bit Straight of a away. theme going with the dogs today, but I did. I blamed it on the dogs because they have a habit of doing that. But it wasn't. The wind had just sheer snapped this poor old lily pilly in half. So it is really difficult to um, look after your plants when the wind's out there. I guess yep. the main thing is, and especially if it's going to stay windy for the rest of the week, is to uh, get out there and put some decent stakes in there if they've survived already. Now, that's especially so with uh, you know standard plants like standard iceberg roses. If you've only got young standard iceberg roses, they've only got quite a thin uh, sort of stem on them and a big head. So if you get um, you know the winds that we've had, then it's quite uh, usual for them to blow over and snap. So if you've got any, you know, any 
hope of trying to save them if the wind's going to get worse again during the week. Uh, yeah, grab some stakes and go and stake those up. Now, when you're tying them up, don't use rope or wire or anything like that because okay. as the plant moves, it's going to cut into the plant and actually do far more damage. So if you've got any old uh, lederhausen, and some old stockings or anything, mate? Okay. Uh, no. No? Okay. No. That was part as a, of, partly a question. I passed the test. Yeah, you passed <laughs> the test because I, I thought you were going to say, oh, you're in the bottom drawer. And, oh, yeah. yeah. I've got loads of them. Loads of them, yeah. Uh, so if you've got something nice and soft, some stockings, uh, some jute webbing. Uh, you can get budding tape as well. Could you just use old bed sheets or something, or just yeah, you can use cotton if you want to, and uh, just t- it's, as long as it's not going to cut into the plant. So that's really, really important. Tie them up nice and strong. Uh, look, I guess the, you know the ground's very waterlogged as, as well at the moment. So uh, you know, with a little bit of rain we have had. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. So the root system's going to be, you know, moving around a little bit, bit more freely. So you just have to be aware of that. Uh, so staking is probably the main thing. Go clean up any old branches and stuff because I noticed all sorts of stuff blown down around my... Uh, and look up as well in case there's some branches in your deciduous trees that are ready to come down. All right. If it's yeah. possible, you should probably move your plants as well. I guess so. Uh, and I guess we talked about that last week and it was very prescient, wasn't it, that mm. I talked about it. Uh, if you've got any indoor plants, you know, or, you know, tender plants that are out in the in wind tunnels, always make sure you move them uh, back into a you know more protected position. Probably a bit late now after the weekend, but um, if they're still out there, give it a go. Fair enough. Well, Scott, I think we've got time for one more call. We've got Lorraine from Elibana. She's got a question to... Wisterius? Yes, Wisterius, a beautiful climber. How can we help you with it, Lorraine? Oh, hello. Um, I'm just wondering when is the best time to prune them. I've got two Wisterias growing on a, a an archway and uh, it's still got leaves on it but losing them at the moment and I know that it's going to flower in the spring. So mm. when's the best time to give it a prune because they're very old and... Um, very established. Yeah, look, my rule of thumb with it would be if you were to give it a prune now, you're probably going to prune off all that material, that flowering material that's going to, you know, bring on those beautiful purple flowers for you in spring. So the best thing to do now would actually be to wait until it's finished flowering. And, Wait till after flowering, yeah, okay. And then give it a prune then. Because if you start pruning now, there's not much growth coming on there. Anything that was going to be flowering material, you're going to cut off and throw away in the in the, in the the bin. Uh, mm. And so it won't flower as well for you. I'd definitely wait uh, until it's finished flowering so you get the full bloom of it. I mean, it's a very rampant climber, um, yep. but it is starting to go into its deciduous time. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't want to miss out on the flowers, so I'll wait till after it's just yeah. finished flowering, and then I'll prune. Yeah, I think it's really the most important thing with wisteria. The flowers—they are beautiful, but they're a bit of a rogue plant. If you let them get going, they'll break things, and they'll—I know—they'll pick up your cat as well. They—they they, they are quite a very quick-growing rogue sort of plant. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Keep it nice and contained. Okay, thank you very okay, much. Thank for you that. for that, Lorraine. Thank you. Bye. You've got to keep them in check. Yes, you don't want your cat getting sort of pulled up, alien oh, style. No. Exactly, just yeah. monstered up into the air. Yeah, like poor Jones the cat in Alien. That's terrible <laughs> for him. Oh, he made it though. That's right. I remember that. Fair enough. Now, Scott, you're just about out of time. You have got one more plant there for us. You got the runners through. Yes, I thought we, I thought we'd talk about um, natives, but this one's a native of Africa and Europe. It's sort of naturalised though in weird in America, especially, and almost naturalised here in Australia. And it's blue sedge. Uh, it's a little foliage plant, sort of with a grey. Uh, What's it called? Again? Blue sedge. Blue sedge. Yeah, it's got a, a grey, silvery foliage. Uh, you can use it as a border plant. Uh, and people use it for erosion control as well because it just spreads out, oh, spreads right. its root system out. So if you've got, I guess, a you know time at the moment where you you know some of those beaches down in uh, Coogee where the swimming pool's gone down into the surf, be very handy there. It would have been very handy there on Friday. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. No, it's too late now. Uh, look, the sedge is a great little um, you know foliage plant. Those different colours on there. They like well drained um, soil. 
and they like to be in a sunny position. If you want to, you can stick them in a pot. Um, but yeah, very good um, and different colours for the garden. Very good, Scott. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. It is. Thank you. I look forward to... Well, you'll be back again next week? Certainly will be. Happy days.